0: To play with the best, to beat the best, it's addicting. And the reason why I say it's addicting is because once you get a taste of it, you can't let it go. It makes you want to train harder because you know that they're out there training, so you want to train as hard as your teammates if not harder, and then then you know that the competitors at different countries are training just as hard, pushes you to train harder.
1: That was Trey Jennifer speaking about what inspires him to continue training to be a world-class wheelchair basketball player. Born without legs due to a rare disorder, Trey became a two-time Paralympian, winning bronze in London in 2012 and a gold medal in Rio in 2016. Hear more about Trey's life growing up in Maryland, his two years as a wrestler in high school, the book titled From the Ground Up that he co-wrote while still in high school, and his wheelchair basketball career from his time at Edinburgh University to his multiple selections to the U.S. men's wheelchair basketball team. This is episode one of the Punisher's wheelchair basketball podcast. Here we are with Trey Jennifer as we kick off the Punisher's wheelchair basketball podcast. Thanks for doing this, Trey. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Ryan. Can you give us a little background on the Punisher's and wheelchair basketball in general?
0: Yeah, wheelchair basketball has become a custom, uh, a big part of disability sports since World War II. That's when it first originally started. We had a bunch of vets coming back, looking to get into sports, and, and that's where the game of basketball started. The evolution of basketball has been ridiculous with the modification to, to the rules, modification to chairs, the whole nine yards. The sponsor of the team is the MedStar National Rehab Hospital. And what they do is is they help out with getting us facilities and and getting us uh, donations so that way that we can travel on trips. You know, our recent trip was out to Phoenix and our team went two and two, but trips have a lot of logistics with it. They have the flights, the hotels, the rental cars and things of that nature. So they help take care of a lot of those things. We're very appreciative for that.
1: That's great. Yeah. How old were you when you started playing wheelchair basketball?
0: I started playing basketball when I was four. I did basketball on track. I was born with a disease called congenital focal milia, which is basically while you're in the womb and you're under development in that nine-month period. My lower limbs didn't develop. Part of my hip socket didn't develop on the left side. Different things like that. I'm one of five kids and I'm the only one with a disability. Seeing my brothers and sisters play sports, it was just like one of those things. I wanted to be competitive. Having older brothers and sisters, they pick on you, like no matter what, if you had a disability or not. It was seeing them play sports and being picked on and the whole alpha athlete in the household kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and I wanted to prove that I can play sports as well. So when I had the opportunity to play for a team out in D.C. called Air Capital back in, I want to say 1994 or something back back then. And I um, and and it just skyrocketed from there.
1: You were born in the late
0: 80s? Correct, I was born in 88. So you were
1: like very young, elementary school age when you started.
0: Oh yeah, 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 and you know my brothers are a couple years older than I am so they were playing peewee football for the local team out in Charles County at that time. They were playing for the La Plata Knights and watching them play sports I just wanted to hop right on in and it was thanks to uh, my father who I call my father he's actually my stepdad he came in my life when I was four because my biological father ran out on my mom he, he came into my life when I was four and that's when sports started for me and I give him all the credit in the world for my success he, he made me into the person that I am today
1: Did you play any other sports besides track and basketball when you were growing up?
0: I played track and basketball for eight years. It was eight glorious years. And due to a conflict in between my parents and and the head coach, I stopped playing sports. And that stemmed for a good four years. And during that time, I didn't know what to do with myself because I had sports. You know, I was traveling all the time. I was coming from PG County uh, where my family didn't travel much. And then I'm going to taking flights to California, Arizona to compete against some of the best Kids in the country, and at that point, I'm, I'm a young kid, so you know this is awesome to me. I'm, and at the age of 12, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I can't compete anymore. I don't know what to do. My parents end up leaving, moving outside of PG County, going to Calva County, and you know that was a big shock for me. Going from you know where your neighbors are right next door to you, you got convenience stores and different things like that right down the street to cornfields and and deer, and and the closest house could be like a mile down the road, and and that was different for me. So that was a culture shock itself my dad looked at me one day and he was just like, hey, why don't you wrestle? And I was like, I was like wrestling, like tumble about like some WWE type thing, like I'm <laughs> coming off the top rope. And he was like, no, man, like me, I used to wrestle in school. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, wearing tights and all of this. I was like, I don't think that's my style. But, you know, what's crazy is I went out for the first practice and it was an open uh, mat where you come in, you can wrestle, get a, get a feel for it before the season started. And I get pinned right away. I mean, within like five seconds, right? And I was like, you know what? Let's like the competitor in me like just came out so that four years that it was like laying dormant and it it just came out and I, I wanted to do wrestling so you know the first time I wrestled it was it was awesome I went 17-18 my first year you know my very first match I think it lasted seven seconds legitimately and I was like this is not going to be my legacy as a wrestler as, as as a sports person so I spent the next summer just wrestling going at it lifting working with the coaches on different moves that I could make and then I boosted my record up to 32-8 and eight. I went second in the region second in SMAC and third in the state of Maryland Smack
1: is the conference
0: the Southern Maryland Athletic Conference I believe it's okay. called
1: um, and what I- school were you at
0: i went to calvert county i was in huntingtown high school so there was brand new school back in 2004 Then i went there for two years so 04 to 05 to
1: 05, 06. and what was the reaction of the other wrestlers on the team to you joining
0: oh you know what they were welcoming arms you know i'm, I'm friends with a lot of those guys still now and the community that was based in that area was awesome it was crazy because I did have some issues going into my senior year where there's this forum that they used to have where parents and athletes could get on the forum, kind of like Facebook. There was a subject line where they were like, you know, I don't think Trayvon should be wrestling 103 because he's, he doesn't have legs. He should be wrestling like 165. And it was crazy because it was happening during my stint of when I was winning. and Not the previous year. Not the previous year when, <laughs> when, I was, when I was getting pinned in seven seconds, 17 and 18. No one cared about the guy with no legs. But then when I was coming out and I was winning matches, that's when this all came about. It was one of the most humbling experiences for me because uh, you know my my coach just looked at me and was like, hey, you know, get on your horse. This is what we need to do. And I'll never forget it. The, the, I go into one tournament, I was ranked number one that year and I, I think I finished like seventh or something like that. And the next tournament I, I go number one and he was like, look, you see this? I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, don't mess this up, right? And I mean, he said some choice words, but it was basically don't mess this up. And that just showed our hard work and, and his belief in me was astronomical and it was just an awesome feeling to be able to wrestle and represent my high school. And this state of Maryland.
1: Third in the state is incredible.
0: Uh, It was was phenomenal and for the next level you know after going 32 and 8 and third in the state I was just like you know what I'm about to get offers from all over the place and I didn't get an offer to wrestle nowhere. That's when the 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 switch just happened from wrestling back to basketball and and basketball took off from that standpoint.
1: I, I understand you did get an offer though while in high school to write a book
0: yes 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 it, it was awesome because there's a guy named alan goldenbach so he did an article on me in the washington post and, and ran actually and i will never forget this the same weekend that peyton manning he was playing for the colts at this time and he just broke the touchdown record single touchdown record in a season passing and i was just like you know what this is awesome because i know that my articles coming out at the same time well the sports section this big sports section and i have this big article on the front of the sports section, front page, page yeah, of, from, the sports. of the sports section, yeah. Oh, wow. And Peyton Manning has a small little like blurb on the bottom <laughs> left hand side. That was just like, they had me in the Washington Post, you know, over top of Peyton Manning right now. And this is just, I, I could not believe it. The article was awesome. They followed me around for a couple days and I was just so excited about it and I will never forget it. I have the metal printing sheet that they gave me and it's in our house right now hanging up and I was like, this will be forever on my top accomplishments. So he was like, hey, we did this write-up in the newspaper. Everyone loved it. And we want to do something else. Like, we, we want to take it to the next level. And the next level was to write a book. At the time, I'm 16. I'm like, this is awesome experience. You know, I'm ready to be an author. And at the time, you don't you don't realize how much time is needed to write a book. You yeah. know, I know I'm telling my story and he's writing this story out. But I'm a senior in high school at this point. I'm ready to get out there and have fun. Go to basketball games. Go to football games. Wrestle Myself and every other minute, it was like, Hey, I need to get together for you to write this book, you know, or write this page. We need to get the link up. And I'm just like, I would really like to enjoy my senior year. But at the end of the day, it was awesome because the amount of people that you influence from that book. You know, so many people tell me that they read the book and I inspired them in in so many different ways. And it encourages me to actually want to write a second book. The first book was more about me telling my story. That story basically ended with me going to college. So it's gonna be basically after college, but it's also gonna take a step into the mindset of individual going through the ups and downs and the accolades that I'm winning and things like that. So they can step into the mindset of an athlete that's been in my position.
1: That's a perfect segue. Since the book ended with your high school years and your wrestling, and now you're finished high school and you're transitioning back to wheelchair basketball, and you go off to college.
0: Again, like I said, I didn't get any offers to wrestle. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt kind of stooped by that. And it's starting to become later in my senior year, and I get a phone call from Jim Glatch, and he goes, hey, you know, I'm the uh, head coach of wheelchair basketball at Edinburgh University. I'm trying to see if you're interested in coming. And I was like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to be a student athlete at the college level. I was like, you know, no problem. And I was like, hey, where are you? And he was like, he was like, ah. and Edinburgh, Pennsylvania is close to Erie. I was like, well, how much snow do you get? And he goes, yeah, we don't we don't get much. I was a like, lot. I was, like, I was like, no problem, right? And then I get up there my first winter and I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I was so close to leaving. They just got hit this year with 52 inches of snow on a weekend. It turned out to be the best time in my life. And if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know where I would be. So I came in with a good group of guys. I was one of three freshmen that year, but only eight ball players on the team.
1: Were your wheelchair basketball skills rusty at this point? Oh,
0: they were completely rusty. I'm talking, I went up for a layup one time, and it bounced off the backboard and went all the way back to the three-point line, maybe even half court. That's how bad it was. I tell a joke, there were eight people on the team, and I'm pretty sure my coach would have went into the stands and grabbed someone to go in the game before actually having me go out there and play. But it was awesome because I got to train with some of the best guys. Jose Lee, Mike Looney, Tommy Gray, Bryce Duty, Matthews. Some of those guys, multiple all American, so I got to train with them and study them and study their work habit. And they actually finished second in the nation. We finished second in the nation that year. When you were a freshman? When I was a freshman. Okay. And coming in, I was definitely the last person. But by the time we got to the national champion chip game, I was a six man coming off the bench because I was putting in that extra time during the winter break, watching film, studying the playbook, and that was pretty much my drive. And I had my upperclassman was Jose Lee, five-time All-American. To have someone like that to study under was amazing. I eventually became a two-time All-American at Edinburgh, captain for three years. It was an awesome experience.
1: How many schools have wheelchair basketball?
0: If I'm not mistaken, I, th- I wanna say there's nine schools currently that have wheelchair basketball. University of Illinois, University of Whitewater, texas arlington
1: so you guys fly a lot
0: no no we get we, we drive buses okay so so a lot of <laughs> long road trips, a lot of long road trips. Wow. you know the ones the whitewater at the to illinois those aren't bad you know yeah. eight nine hours but then when you get to the texas arlington 24-hour trip you wow. know southwest minnesota state 22-hour trip there's a lot of homework being done on those buses long bus rides
1: so you had a great college career a two-time all-american correct and then after college Why did you decide to continue playing and to pursue a spot on the U.S. Paralympic men's wheelchair basketball team?
0: So it was awesome because my first experience of becoming a member of Team USA actually started in 2009. So during my college career, I made the U-23 team. It was my first team I made in 2009. The under-23-year-old. Correct. And we went to Paris. And that's when I got my first taste of international competition.
1: Was that a world championship?
0: Yes, or? for the under-23s teams. Oh, okay. so, uh, so everyone under the age of 23 was playing from different countries. And I actually got to play against some of the people that I considered at that point competitors. A lot of the guys were the guys that were in the college ranks. You know, mm-hmm. Steve Serio, Brian Bell, Nate Hines, those guys. Uh, so now they're no longer enemies on the other side of the court now we're playing with them. And to play with the best, to beat the best, it's a. And the reason why I say it's addicting is because once you get a taste of it, you can't let it go. It makes you want to train harder because you know that they're out there training. So you want to train as hard as your teammates, if not harder. And then you know that the competitors at different countries are training just as hard. It pushes you to train harder. That's what I think about when I'm sitting there and I'm tired and I'm in the midst of cardio and I'm starting to wear down. Think about those losses that we might have had in a game or turnover that I might have had that pushes me to continue working out harder so that was my first experience was in 2009 with the u.s national with the u.s team. national team with the junior team and we won gold and actually the awesome thing was jim glatch my coach for edinburgh was actually the head coach of that u23 team and he actually got selected to be the head coach for the men's national team so He gave me my first tryout in 2010 and I didn't make the team, so I come back and I work even harder to try to make the team in 2011. And I made the team in 2011, this is my senior year, you know, the end of my senior year, and we went gold in Guadalajara, Mexico. And that's when my national team experience kind of took off, that's when I started playing for a pair of pans and and my first Paralympic Games was in 2012 where we won bronze, and that was with Jim Glatch as well. The London Olympics. Correct, correct, in 2012 with the London Paralympics. And it was a phenomenal experience, you know, being a rookie at that point in time. And that was the first medal that USA has brought home since 2000. So that was breaking a 12-year streak right there. So that was awesome for me. Just being able to experience that with those guys were phenomenal.
1: And then after the 2012 London Olympics, I think you had the chance to play professionally in Europe.
0: There's actually a little backstory to that. So I get back after 2012, we win bronze. They actually change coaches. This is when they bring in Ron Likens to be the head coach, and then I try out for the team in 2012-2013 for the U.S. men's team. So you basically,
1: you're always every year. Every it's, year, it's try. it's a new selection process. Exactly,
0: and every every year, so the selection process goes as follows. So you basically get an invitation every year to come and try out. And they bring in the top 26 to 30 athletes.
1: And they're only taking 12 guys. They
0: normally take anywhere between 16 to 18 and then after taking the 16 to 18 they'll cut it down to 12 and you know you battle those guys for a week and then they make their decision whether or not who they're going to take so the end of 2012 the beginning of 2013 i try out for the team and i get cut and coach and i talked and and he said you know you're an awesome defender but i wanted to see you polish up on your offensive side of the game and, and after getting cut you know i kind of sat back and i thought about it and i was like you know what At this time, I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm not so much focused on training for basketball as much as I think I should be. And I was like, you know what, I want to take another run at a Paralympic medal. I quit my job and that's when I went to look to go overseas professionally. and I found a team in um, Cannes, France. It was uh, Riviera? Yeah. Nice. So I go from Edinburgh University and Erie, PA, to the south of France. And I want to say it was November, December, and Laura and I, who's my uh, fiance, we were sitting on the beach and we're having drinks. We were like, if this was in Erie, PA, we'd be building snowmen and shoveling our cars out of the driveway. It was an awesome experience from that standpoint, but it also gave me the opportunity to train more and to see and play against better competition all year round.
1: And then you did eventually make it back onto the U.S. men's national team.
0: Correct. The first time I made, I made it back in 2014 when we went to Korea, that's when we won silver. And then I made it again in 2015 we won gold in Toronto. And then we wanted this last of uh, Paralympics in uh, Rio de Janeiro and we won gold there too and the thing that's special about that one was it's not only the fact that we won gold or that we improved from the quadrant before it was that this is the first gold medal that men's USA wheelchair basketball has won in 28 years so when I was born in 1988 that was the last time they won so that was phenomenal and then I was doing it with some of the guys that I played with in 2009 we get up there and it's just like you hear your national anthem and you see your flag on top and you're on top of the podium and you're just thinking all the hard work has actually paid off it was an emotional moment for me I kind of wish I had Laura and my family there to support it but due to some other circumstances they couldn't come but it was a
1: phenomenal experience I wouldn't trade it for the world man it was it was so crazy it was awesome so now you're 29 you've won a bronze and a gold Correct. in two different Paralympics what are your plans now not just athletically but also professionally on the
0: athletics side of things after Rio I took a year off that was the first thing I did and to be honest it was a good thing because I got time to spend with family and friends and mm. we went on a vacation immediately after Rio just so I can spend time with my girls You have a daughter. Yeah, I have a daughter, yeah. uh, She's two. She's two. She's taller than me currently, and she's sassier than me right now. So, like, we're dealing with that right now. But she's awesome, man. She's my world. I tell her that every night before she goes to bed just because she means that much to me. I call them my girls. So we went on vacation together with my girls. But to be honest, man, I I missed it. I missed the competitive nature. It uh, It draws me back in. And it's funny because I was telling people after... Rio I was done I was like I'm done with athletics just because it takes so much out of you you don't realize how like people don't realize how much we actually train mm-hmm. you know when we go for for selection camps or for training camps we we go two and a half hours a session maybe two three sessions a day and then when you come home you gotta train by yourself sometimes you don't have the luxury of sitting there training with elite athletes all the time you're training by yourself and i was like you know what i'm done and laura looked at me and she was like yeah right i was like i'm really done and then as i'm sitting out during that year i'm like oh i miss it i'm itching I didn't even stay out of the gym for like two weeks before I'm back in the gym shooting and lifting and things of that nature. So I just got back from trials again this past January. and. I made the first selection cut. The second selection cut will be made in May to see who's going to world championships. It'll be hosted in Hamburg, Germany this year. So I'm still training and that that. that standpoint. Thank you. I appreciate that. From a professional standpoint, I got so much going on, I I do a lot of motivational speaking. So I I basically go out and I tell my story. I try to teach perseverance and overcoming different things in life. And I tell them how sports gave me an avenue to get out to let people know it's not about the exterior of what they see and disabilities and things of that nature. It's, there, there's always a way to overcome these things that we call life obstacles. We're also working on starting a nonprofit that not only teaches those things, but are able to aid people that are in those situations where they feel like they're in a tight spot in between, you know, a rock and a hard place. And we want to make sure that we can help those individuals get out, whether that's through going to sports camps or going to computer camp, math camp, or something of that nature, just to experience what it's like to have that quote unquote escape.
1: If folks wanted to learn more about your motivational speaking and perhaps contact you if they were interested in having you speak to their group, do you have a website?
0: So I have a website. It's called TreyJ5.com. That's spelled T-R-E-Y-J, the number five dot com. And I'm also pursuing my passion, which is in criminal justice as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, grow up, growing up in the neighborhoods that I grew up and seeing a lot of people go to jail and, and, and things of that nature. You know, criminal justice has always been a passion of mine. So I'm also looking at doing things like that as well. So You studied yes, in I, that area? so um, I got my bachelor's in uh, criminal justice, and then I got my master's in legal studies with a concentration in Homeland Security.
1: Where would you get the master's from? Uh,
0: California University of Pennsylvania.
1: Okay, So still out there in western PA.
0: Oh yeah, Pennsylvania <laughs> for life, man. Pennsylvania for life. Life. all
1: right well thank you so much for doing this trey yeah,
0: thank you i appreciate you for allowing me to tell my story man it's it's awesome i really appreciate it <laughs>
1: Special thanks to my wonderful daughter, Samaya, who suggested that I start a podcast about a wheelchair basketball team. You're the best.